This is Matt Connickson. I'm the sales agronomist with CHX Ag Services in Oakley, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Tuesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan along with Sierra Doctor and Whitney Pittman. Bismarck National Weather Service meteorologist Michael Holland says nice weather is in store for Thanksgiving. So unfortunately, uh, it's looking like a very mild and dry uh, traveling weather for uh, for the holiday weekend uh, coming up here. We do have a, a slight chance for some light precipitation that might actually be limited more to the western Dakotas. For uh, That would be Wednesday night uh, in the early Thanksgiving morning. Mostly some light snow, maybe some very light freezing rain, but we're not really expecting that to cause many travel issues at all. So most of the holiday weekend uh, should be great. Uh, we are keeping an eye on next week. Uh, we're seeing some increased uh, chances for snow across the region. And it's still uh, far too soon to tell, you know, exactly how much. Holland says there'll be mild temperatures throughout the week until temperatures drop colder mainly highs in the 30s. We might even have some uh, 40s. It looks like Friday would be the warmest day where we might be able to get into into the 40s. Again, maybe more so for the western Dakotas and um, maybe in the eastern South Dakota than Minnesota. Uh, but then we are looking at cooler temperatures returning next week along with those chances for snow with highs uh, falling back into the 20s. And we're getting to the time of year where uh, 20s for highs are actually uh, still a little bit uh, closer to normal, still a little bit below normal, but not as far below normal as we were uh, for the middle of November. Minot-based Dakota agronomy partners, sales agronomist Hunter Schreiner says the canola crop in the Minot area turned out pretty good considering when and how it got planted. Very surprised at how well it turned out. I mean, we were doing everything from, you know, floating it on with the ground rig to actually flying it on with an airplane up in, uh, by Minot here and then all that stuff. I mean, it, it didn't look great right away coming out of the ground, but it ended up catching back up and it did run very well, um, all things considered. So I think a lot of guys are happy with that. They were a little nervous, obviously, doing it that way. They'd never done it that way before, so it was a little nerve-wracking, but I think at the end of the day, they were happy with how it turned out. While farmers didn't get all the fall field work done, the moisture is very welcome. We were pretty dry, yep. Um, we had caught a little bit of moisture, and it, you know, it, help, it always helps, but uh, this we got a good start with the snow now. I mean, most guys obviously wish that they could see it in the form of rain, but that's the world we live in now. So, but I'm sure a lot of that snow melted from the ground up when, it, when we first got it because the ground was still fairly warm. 96% of the corn nationwide is harvested. That's up 2% from last week and up 6% from the five-year average. The soybean harvest wrapped up last week. 87% of winter wheat has emerged. Sort of hidden in that national number is the fact that we have struggled due to both drought and cold with emergence in some major production areas. That's USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey. Winter wheat emergence in South Dakota is 10 percentage points below the long-term average. Kansas is 8% behind the normal pace. A federal appeals court has ordered an environmental protection agency to consider the impact of a systemic insecticide known as cyan trinalprol, and the ruling requires EPA to put protective measures in place by September of next year. The insecticide is used in potatoes, sunflowers, canola, and vegetable crops. Center for Food Safety, the Center for Biological Diversity, filed that lawsuit eight years ago.
The USDA announced a 45-day extension on the comment period for the inclusive competition and market integrity under the Packyards and Stockyards Act today. National Cattlemen's Beef Association, National Chicken Council, and other national livestock partners requested an extension of the comment period to USDA. The proposed Packers and Stockyards Act rule spans 14 years of regulatory history in meatpacking, livestock dealers, and market agencies to prohibit unfair practices. National Cattlemen's Beef Association secured 100 bipartisan signatures on a congressional letter sent to the USDA requesting an extension of the comment period of the Packers and Stockyards Act last month. NCBA Senior Director of Government Affairs Tanner Beamer says the livestock industry needs more time on the clock to review the rule. This extension is very important for cattle producers because we need time to fully unpack this rulemaking. The filing spreads 180 pages of the Federal Register and producers need to, the opportunity to unpack all of those uh, little nuances in the preamble and in the rule itself. Uh, we also need to uh, respond. The, the, the rulemaking asked 44 specific questions to commenters and only gave folks 60 days to respond. Then they need to allow them the appropriate amount of time to whatever other unforeseen potential impacts could come as a result of this rulemaking. Beamer says 45 days is still a tight timeline to work with. So the extension is very important to that end, um, but I still don't know that 45 days is quite enough time uh, to allow us to do that. Also, you have to consider that this is uh, one of several rules that the department has uh, has alluded to uh, over the next couple years. And these rules all speak to one another, right? So they are all in the same section of the Code of Federal Regulations. They're going to play off of each other. And it's difficult for us to put together comprehensive comments on one rule when we don't know what the other ones are that are going to play off of each other in, in practice. Minnesota DFL leaders have named the new legislative committee chairs last week. Senator Eric Putman of St. Cloud will chair the Senate Ag Committee when they convene January 3rd. Senator Putnam, uh, Putnam says while his background in agriculture is limited, he's looking forward to leaning on farmers for information and input. I've got to be honest and say that it is kind of a new, a new area for me for the most part. Um, I have toured a number of farms in my community over the past couple of years, and so I've built some relationships with some local farmers. Uh, you know, the St. Cloud area, the Stearns County area, has a rich history in agriculture. It's one that I do have some familiarity with just in terms of my community, but it hasn't been an area of great policy expertise for me yet. I'm just really eager to learn more and to do more. It's really important that if you're going to do the best for the people, that you're with the people. Uh, and I'm going to need the help of farmers We know how to help them. Go to Red River Farm Network's website, rrfn.com. Sign up for the weekly FarmNet News e-newsletter. You can also download this broadcast and follow us on Facebook and Twitter, all at rrfn.com. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Tuesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. Millions of dollars were spent on the 2022 political campaigns, but it resulted in very few changes. Syngenta Senior Manager of Federal Government and Industry Relations, Mary Kay Thatcher, says there won't be many new faces on Capitol Hill. You got every Senate incumbent who wanted to be reelected got reelected, unless Georgia does something in a few weeks, and, you know, 97% of the House. So 
Um, I think it's going to be, I think we're going to wake up in, in January and it's going to be a little like the movie Groundhog Day, you know. Uh, the Democrats had just a little bit of margin in the uh, in the House and now the Republicans will have just a little bit of margin. And, you know, I suspect Kevin McCarthy has just as difficult a time wrangling the troops as Pelosi did and Paul Ryan and John Boehner before that. The incoming House Agriculture Committee Chairman is Pennsylvania Congressman Glenn G.T. Thompson. Thompson wants to have the farm bill completed before its scheduled expiration at the end of September. Thatcher doesn't believe that timeline will work. I think the biggest reason it's not doable is the budget committees, the House and Senate budget committees, have to determine whether that $18 billion that was put aside can be used in the baseline for this farm bill. And then if, it, if they say yes, does it all stay in conservation or go elsewhere? I don't think that decision gets made till probably May, maybe June. So if you don't know, if there's an $18 billion difference in what you have to fund conservation and commodity and rural development and livestock programs, that's a big difference. And if you don't know that answer until May or June, I don't see how you write a farm bill. River levels are still affecting basis levels and barge rates. Farmers Business Network Chief Economist Kevin McNew says the alternative markets in the Midwest have helped keep basis fluctuations from migrating further north. There's really strong soybean crushing uh, needs and demand right now. Soy crush margins are through the roof and probably will be for some time because of all this push into renewable diesel. So there's a market locally for soybeans, especially in the upper Midwest. Uh, same with corn. You know, ethanol is doing pretty well. You know, there's strong margins in the corn processing sector. And as you move into the Western Plains and the Central Plains, even into Nebraska, basis levels are really strong because of short crop and really good feed demand. So I don't see too many hiccups for the upper Midwest producers in terms of basis. I think it stays pretty strong. Other supply chain constraints are still affecting farmers in the Midwest, like fertilizer shortages and the increase in prices. McNew says prices will likely stay elevated through next year. Yeah, I think the biggest constraint right now it continues to be nitrogen fertilizer. We see anhydrous prices. Uh, they, they have backed off a little bit the last couple of months, but in the last uh, call it two or three weeks, we're seeing them tick back up again. I don't see any relief in sight as we get into the spring of 23. I think, you know, it's all tied around natural gas and, and I don't think we're going to see a big, a big reprieve or a big downturn in fertilizer prices. So what you see today is probably what you're going to see going into the spring. Grain market is in a quiet, light volume trading pattern. Martinson Agris Management President Randy Martinson says be aware that light volume can also lead to wild market swings. One thing that could happen is if we start all of a sudden drifting too far to one direction, uh, that could expand it and, and kick the algorithms in, which will cause this market to jump pretty uh, severely. And right now, any rumor of anything could cause this market to come in and do it as well, as we saw that last week with that uh, missile striking in Poland. We certainly are sitting on a powder keg where this market could jump uh, rapidly one direction or the other. And Martinson expects the market's attention to shift to South America next week. And, you know, we're going to have to start looking at, uh, you know, supplies or, or availability of grain. And right now, you know, the plains, you know, all the way from North Dakota all the way down into Texas, we're short corn and basis levels are showing it. And I think that's going to continue to help uh, support the corn market, at least until we know where our acres could possibly fall.
The grain trade is expected to remain choppy going into the holiday season. Country futures market analyst Daryl Holiday is concerned about the corn market. A very side of the corn is, even though it was very strong last week, is we have a lot of open interest in that de- December corn contract, which is that'll come down a lot in fr- on Friday uh, with the options expiring. But at the same time, it's still going to be awfully high, especially if you were to get that rail strike. That would be a very negative thing. Uh, with that much open interest. So we'll see how that develops. Reporting agriculture's business, this is the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture here on the Red River Farm Network. Livestock water quality concerns increase this fall due to the dry weather. NDSU Extension Livestock Environmental Stewardship Specialist Miranda Meehan says 26.5% of water sources tested had the potential to be toxic. So extension agents monitored 34 sources or screened 34 water sources across the state in October. And what we've seen in just reports, broader reports, is our surface water sources were drying up. Um, with the extended fall drought. And so we were seeing increases in sulfates in some of our water sources. We had nine that were potentially toxic out of those 34 with elevated levels of sulfates greater than 1,200 parts per million. And we can start seeing health issues above 1,000 parts per million in mature cows and 500 in calves. Meehan says with winter approaching, water toxicity risk is going down, but this spring could present challenges. If you're using surface water, there could still be a risk um, as we're moving to using wells and pipelines in the winter, not as high of a risk. Um, but we, we don't, you know, no more water came into those surface water sources this fall. And so if you're using those for um, chopping ice and using those, be aware of that. The other thing to be thinking about is conditions this next spring. Right now, with the snow, if we get enough snow and get enough runoff, it can dilute those sources, but to what level it's going to dilute sources, and we still don't know what what the winter is going to bring us. So just being aware as we're going into spring. Checking markets before we leave you this afternoon. December wheat Minneapolis is down a penny and a quarter at 946 and three quarters. Chicago December wheat's down seven and a quarter at 792. And Kansas City down eight and a half at 925 and three quarters. December corn's down two and a half at 657. March is down four at 659 and a half. January soybeans down seven and a half at 1429 and a quarter. March beans down five and three quarters at 1436. January canola is down six dollars and seventy cents a metric ton, 838.10 Canadian. On the livestock side, December live cattle, 7 cents higher, 153.62. February is down 42 cents. January feeder cattle down 97 cents at 181.65. March is down 70 cents. December lean hogs are down, or excuse me, 27 cents higher at 84.07. February is down 45 cents. Dow Jones Industrial Average currently trading 316 points higher. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. This is the Red River Farm Network.